You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Okay, Liam, I want to make a movie about a group of women who are trying to escape a corrupt mental institution. Also, when they dance, they have vividly intense steampunk dreams. Oh, yeah, cool. And uh, how do those dreams connect to the plot? The what? The the plot? Um, uh, I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are talking about Sucker Punch, as requested by uh, listener extraordinaire Andrew Craig. Um, Sucker Punch is a film from 2011, uh, and for those who maybe aren't familiar with this film, I'm going to take this opportunity now to offer a content warning for our episode of I Have Some Notes, uh, because this movie deals with uh, themes of uh, sexual assault, violence towards women, and uh, mental health issues. Uh, of course, our conversation is going to involve uh, discussing uh, sexual violence, uh, assault on women. Uh, and uh, mental health issues. So if that's not something you want to listen to today, perhaps uh, this is an episode to skip. We'll see you on the next one. So just give that heads up. Funnily enough, we almost did a, a very a much different movie, <laughs> as voted by the yeah. the listeners. By by a rounding error, we ended up landing on Sucker Punch. But uh, but there was a there was a lot of votes for Citizen Kane as well. And um, I don't know, guys. Like I. <laughs> I know that um, um, listeners, I'm sure some of you think it would be be hilarious to kind of watch us squirm our way through through Citizen Kane or or you just legitimately want to want to hear our opinions on it, which is which would be fun. But uh, I I just don't I I think after we ran this poll, I realized we're not going to do Citizen Kane for the show, at least not as uh, a regular episode. And and my reasoning for that, and I don't know how you guys feel, but like, it, it feels like um, to do something like that, to offer like a script rewrite um, would be more on the, of a, of a video essay type thing. Like maybe ask for, ask that of Dan Olson or Lindsay Ellis or something like that. But for us to do sort of like our, our one hour drive by screen re- rewrite or a screenwriter rewrite of a, of Citizen Kane just doesn't seem fair to, uh, <laughs> to that movie and its history. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I, 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 actively asked people I know to go vote for Sucker Punch. So like, I can't imagine what I... Orson Welles what deserves I, it's, better. It's yeah. rigged! It's rigged! By people I know, I mean my girlfriend. Um, but we definitely... I was like, oh shit, Citizen Kane's gonna win. Babe, babe, can you go vote for Sucker Punch? Also, oh my god, I can't believe Sucker Punch is the lesser of these two. But yeah, I don't I don't know what we can say about Citizen Kane, you know, that hasn't already been said. Um... Like it's it's an almost eighty year old movie. Like the 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 discourse is sort of over. Uh, and also, I know I know who suggested that, and I even question 
um, the, the sort of good faith that suggestion was made. <laughs> um, I think it was maybe a little more tongue in cheek than yeah. some of the more earnest oh, yeah. suggestions. Um, but yeah, so that's. Uh, but please, uh, all of you, uh, uh, give us your suggestions in good faith or otherwise, uh, and we'll add them to the list, and then uh, retroactively decide if they're actually appropriate. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, please hit us up on social media and make your recommendations, as Andrew Craig did for our film today, uh, Sucker Punch. Um, have have uh, Greg and Scott? Have you guys seen this flick before? Like, was this your first time with it? Oh, it was not my first time seeing this movie. Liam, you might recall. Uh, I want to say a season or two ago, I went on the record saying that I actually kind of like this movie. It's it's one of my favorite Zack Snyder movies, and I don't know if that is a very damning statement to say about what I think about the rest of his filmography. <laughs> but uh, what that says about you, I think there's um. I think there's a lot that this movie has going for it. Uh, I enjoyed it when I saw it in theaters. I actually had not seen it again since it first came out. And I was concerned that I was remembering it more fondly than it perhaps deserved. But honestly, on the rewatch, I didn't hate it any more than I did the first time. I I thought it was about the same and kind of enjoyed it. Weird, guilty pleasure. And maybe it's because it's just a bonkers visual spectacle. uh, I, I quite enjoy it. Just tickled my brain. Yeah, that's that's fair. Greg, have you seen this before? Uh, no, it's this uh, this movie for me is, is somewhat <laughs> like The Eternals in that when it gets when a movie like that gets a, a bunch of bad reviews, I'm just like, oh, good, I don't have to go see it. <laughs> that's fair. So, but this weirdly, the reason I ask, I'm so hung up on have you seen it? I've I started watching this movie when it came out like on DVD and did not get all the way through it. So Ooh, I've gosh. only seen the first half of it, and watching it again, I was like. I think I stopped watching it because I was confused and that feeling <laughs> continued on uh, in the second viewing. Though at least I was able to, like, when all was said, I'm like, okay, I tracked, but I remember why I was confused by this movie and stopped watching it when it came out. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see getting frustrated with it. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, <laughs> I've heard people say this is one of those polarizing films where people either really like it or really hate it. And there's very little in between. And I like that tracks to me. I can see why a lot of people would be, as Greg put it, very frustrated by this movie. And I can, obviously yeah. I'm one of the people who liked it. So I can also understand why someone would be like, that was awesome. I have no notes. I, yeah, I went I went snooping for for other, you know, cinema discourse on it on the Internet articles and YouTube videos and what have you. And a lot of it was people being like, OK, hang on. I actually like here's a case for sucker punch so i think it i think it is like it's got its fans and its detractors and uh i i was poorly put myself in the middle of just like mostly confused i'm not i'm not yeah, willing to die I, on I the hill say that for this it, movie yeah Sorry, <laughs> no, no it's, it's, been said. Like, it's, it's not know, like an you're, irredeemable you're a hardcore movie. hardcore baby doll stand it's been said yeah yeah <laughs> sorry greg yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily irredeemable. I mean, there's there's uh, there's lots of reasons to to like and watch a movie, and and sometimes it can be just all about spectacle, and that's enough. And and uh, that's could be the, the one thing you can't say about um, Zack Snyder is that he doesn't know how to direct action. Like it's when yeah. it does get to the action bits, it's a pretty exciting movie. And I would actually say that probably the last ten minutes. Uh, to 15 minutes of this movie is pretty good. It, it just made me sort of frustrated that 
the rest of it wasn't quite as cohesive, you know? And I mean, number one, um, that could be because like this movie famously is one of those Zack Snyder properties that's been hacked to bits and just cut right down to the bone. And, uh, I just want to say as well, like part of the reason why the, why the movie works as well as it does, I think might be because of the strength of the cast. There's a really good cast in this movie. Yeah, let's uh, let's hit the hit the details here. Um, obviously, directed by Zack Snyder of Snyderverse fame. Um, I don't know what that means. You just wrote it in the notes. director wait, of the I mean, Snyderverse. That's not, a, that's not a thing. Anyway, um, whatever. Uh, uh, Steve uh, Shibuya, um, famous for being the additional cast and crew on Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So cool. <laughs> I mean, he's done more than any of uh, us. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Uh, stars Emily Browning as Baby Doll, uh, Abby Cornish as Sweet Pea. We got Vanessa Hudgens, uh, Jenna Malone, Jamie Chung, uh, Carlo. Oh, sorry, Carla. Uh, Carla Gagino. Thank you, Carla Gagino as Dr. Vera Gorsky, and uh, a young Oscar Isaacs who I couldn't even pin until like twenty minutes in. I was like, "Oh damn, that's Oscar Isaacs." He's very <laughs> good at that this baby movie. face. Yeah, he's a cutie. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's uh let's go to the trailer and then then get into it because who boy is there a lot to unpack you are safe it's all safe what you're imagining right now that place can be as real as any pain don't be afraid you have all the weapons you need Your fight for survival starts right now. I'm gonna escape from here. There's armed guards everywhere. If Blue finds out, we're dead. We're already dead. This is your journey. If you succeed, it will set you free. Baby Doll is accused by her abusive stepfather of intentionally murdering her sister, and he has her committed to a disreputable mental health facility. We're plunged into a different layer of reality where the institution is framed as a brothel, and Baby Doll makes five friends among the other girls. Together, they plot an escape, but to get out, they need a map, a lighter, a knife, and a key. Baby Doll dances to distract the men who hold these items and escapes into a further reality where she's a member of a badass team of lady commandos on fantastic adventures. Some of them die, one escapes, and Baby Doll ends up with a frontal lobotomy. The end. Okay, I, Liam, I know that you're going to launch into something, but before before you do, oh, no. yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's funny like uh, Scott did a, a rewrite on the trailer summary before uh, after <laughs> I had written one, and I wish we had kept my original one around just to show you like the difference between someone who liked this movie and someone who didn't because mine was extremely sarcastic and and, uh, and Scott's was was more I, I kind of want to watch this movie that Scott <laughs> just described. <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the the difference here between the two, like what what you were looking for and didn't get, and what Scott got and loved, <laughs> is that like 
This movie has a fairly simple plot. Uh, perhaps Greg would argue no plot. It's, it's um, pretty on the nose uh, with its plot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, the, to escape, she needs to get four items, and then does so, and then someone escapes. Yeah. Um, but it is... <laughs> The cynical could say pat it out. Uh, the uh, um, generous uh, or enthusiastic could say um, bookended by huge fantastical fight scenes that take up a good third of the movie um, fighting robots and samurais and, and uh, Nazi zombies and uh, uh, all that they good are stuff. But that is World War One Germans. They are World explicitly not Nazis. <laughs> the, the scene where um, Baby Doll learns about the items that she has to collect in order to escape. I, I, I felt, I felt like I was kind of watching like, uh, like a resident evil interpretation. Like, like the, if there was like a tiny, like puzzle box to solve or something like that, it wouldn't written like fully on a video game or something like that. I think that was the, I think that was actually the point where the movie lost me. Cause it felt so simplistic and weird and out of nowhere that I was kind of like, Samurai okay, thing? this is, yes. No, oh, okay. well, specifically, how he, how specific, he, like, yes. How he, like, gives her a bunch of weapons and then says, go find four more things. And then yeah, the third yeah. thing, the fifth thing is a mystery. And also you will suffer a great loss because you're about to go through the hero's journey. And two thirds of the way through the movie, we need to suffer <laughs> ego death as per Campbell. Look, again, the yeah, movie's precisely. on the nose, but that doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> he literally spells out the hero's journey in that first scene. He's like, Here's, I'm the goddess and I'm giving you gifts. It literally was said at the beginning that I'm a guardian angel and uh, go through these trials until you lose something and uh, you're going to come out the other side changed. I think it's all at once, like on the nose and indecipherable. Is that fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you, so again, I, I love, I love the, the trifecta of, of, didn't like it, loved it, and I've just got a lot of questions. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. So I'm going to start with my question: is like, what did you, what did y'all like about this? Like, what, like what, what did we definitely enjoy? Because I did, I liked the fight scenes, and I liked that they were immediate world building. It like, or not, not world building, but like, they don't have to provide context because it is meant to be tropey. I really liked. And then the fact that they're also good, fun, splashy action scenes, those those parts, the robot fighting parts, were sick, and I like them. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. The the visual spectacle on display is right out of like a high octane anime or uh, or a comic book. It is it is an eyeful, and it's delightful to watch. Um, absolutely, I kind of like the brothel stuff. Is that wrong of me? Like it's it's well presented. The actors are all like giving it a hundred percent. I think the production design is really good, and like I I buy it. It and I buy it as a different as someone trying to make their miserable situation in a mental inst- in a corrupt mental institution seem less horrifying. <laughs> this is where I disagree, and this was my my problem with it. So you brought it up. I'm sorry, but I no. just got it. I didn't fully understand first of all who's pers- who was imagining this place as a brothel because i was under the impression it was sweet pea and so like all the fantasy dancing robot fight stuff was baby doll but the brothel thing was sweet pea's way of internalizing and, and processing this trauma um I, I think uh, that I think that that makes a lot of sense, Liam. I think the reason that you're confused is that the visual language of the movie mm-hmm. tells you that it's Baby Doll's uh, dream. 
because yeah. it's 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 focused on her when we transition to brothel, right? Yeah, but it's from Sweet but, Pea's perspective. I get that. Yes, and yeah. I think that's and that's it revealed at the end of the movie. Uh, and it's also reinforced. I happen to watch it with subtitles on, and the narrator at the beginning is Sweet Pea because it literally has in brackets like Sweet Pea, and then because <laughs> you know that subtitles will say who's saying it if they're off screen. Yeah, subtitles right? are great so like, for adding uh, clarity to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, even again on the internet, some people were unsure. Sorry, but and this this could be again. I mentioned at the top, this movie famously has been just hacked to the bone, and that like some of that context is almost certainly lost because of that. And I think maybe like uh, a different cut of the movie and, and we'll, I'll discuss different cuts as we get into the second half before we get into our, our changes. Um, but uh, the, I feel like that may have been lost along the way and that uh, a different cut might be able to be more clear about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the, but the existing the film is unclear. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and so there, there's that part of it is like I wasn't sure whose whose perspective was, but the other thing, and this this was my major beef with it, because again, I loved all the action stuff, putting women in in a, literally a house where the mentally insane is all sorts of problematic, um, but well, whatever, um, <laughs> like not whatever, but we'll get to it. Um, the thing that I found very strange and what I disagree with you, Scott, where you're like, I love the production design, I love, the, I this mental institution is obviously traumatic and scary. But it seems like sex trafficking brothel is like a lateral move at best. I disagree a little bit. And I think it's because there's the perception that in the brothel, they still have a little more agency that they lack in the mental institution. Like sure, they, they're still they're like- still functional <laughs> members of society. They they're still able to like have a, a little bit of glamour in their lives, unlike just the miserable condition in the mental institution where the best they can look forward Fair. to is the doctor comes one day and gives them a, lo- a frontal lobotomy. Like, yes. I, and then the other thing that added to some of my, my confusion is the, the, when, especially when like what made my hair go up when you said set design, there's parts of the brothel that I can't tell. Are they like, is she, is she scrubbing the floors of a mental institution or is she scrubbing the floors of a brothel? They both look equally shitty. And I was truly unsure if we're going back for the chef, right? When he's, when he's the brothel chef, he's got white chef robe on and a big chef hat. But when he's the mental institution chef, he's got a white robe on and a small chef's hat. <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, he's, I don't, I couldn't tell when we were looking at a brothel and when we were looking at a mental institution. And I kind of like, and again was like, but also that's like a lateral move. Like imagine, imagine, um, uh, um, life is beautiful, right? You know, the movie life is beautiful where he goes through trying to convince his son that they're not in a, um, a Nazi concentration camp. But imagine if he was like going around trying to convince me like, oh no, we're just in a medieval dungeon, right? Or a Dickensian <laughs> orphanage or a screening of Sucker Punch, like somewhere equally terrible. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I think the, the, you're, you're correct that the, the two layers don't seem distinctive enough. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it certainly doesn't help that the chef is also the chef. Like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to really hammer at home, the chef would be something else in the in the in the brothel. You know, he'd yeah. be, I don't know, a stage manager or something like that. Or oh, not necessarily yeah. that, but I mean, one of the orderlies, the guy with the 
later is recontextualized as the it, mayor. As the mayor. So yeah. you yes. could you yeah. could have done like, something different with the chef, I suppose. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. So the chef should have been like a bartender and when he's assaulting Rocket in the um the 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 pantry, maybe it's like a fancy wine cellar. Uh, and this is kind of my note, my my second half note, but like maybe we see the difference between mental institution, pantry and wine cellar. Like uh, basically one of your one of your notes then being that maybe it should be there should be more production value for the for the brothel. Make it more brothelly. Make it fancier. Make it more showgirlsy and less like desperate, equally desperate and sad as a mental institution. <laughs> Reasonable. <laughs> it it didn't go far enough. I guess that's kind of yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Or I see the that. other way is make the make the um, mental, mental institution, institution even less dingier. Zack Snydery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could see with the with the the mental institution that there's kind of already an inherent um, prison quality to it because you know, you're institutionalized, you're, you're a danger to society and you're not allowed to leave. So it doesn't necessarily need to be, um, quite as dark and depressing. Like it, it might actually even be better if Oscar Isaacs is the only orderly who sucks and the rest of them are just normal people just, you know, trying to go about their, their job. Um, then you ha- when then it becomes a bitter a, a more of a contrast when you get to the brothel and it's it's the the stakes are a little bit higher because they're in more danger because you know this is more of like a like a crime uh, you know syndicate or something like that that's that's keeping them uh, inside the brothel or whatever so that, yeah that could that could add some extra contrast between those two layers that's for sure yeah. That was my my big take, which made it suck because I was definitely on board for the like, let's pretend when she's dancing, she's fighting robots. I was like, sick. This is fun as hell. <laughs> but you you're saying that's where we lost you, Greg, like at the samurai part even. Well, yeah, because I think it's because there's a there's a definite connection between the brothel and the in the mental institution, right? Like you can you there there are definitely things going on there that are like one to one between the two layers, right? Um but when we go to the um, third layer of the crazy, cool action anime film, um, the one to one is completely lost. And not that I expect it to be like a you know, it's got to be more metaphorical. But there, there isn't one. To, mm-hmm. to at least as far as I interpreted, um, it's just like lots of action happens, and the only the only thing that the audience knows is happening in the so-called real, real world or the, or the next layer down is that baby doll is dancing. So there's not like, mm-hmm. there's nothing fundamentally changing about the, what she's doing. She, I guess she's just dancing harder when the action goes up more. I don't know. Like, like it just, that part of it, it, it just felt to me like you could lift those action scenes right, right out. And it took all the potential tension away from it like i don't i'm not invested in anything that happens to baby doll in that layer because it doesn't fundamentally matter like the only thing i need to see at the end is like whether she won or lost in that particular dream and that's it that's all i need um so while the action was fun uh it did not uh it did not really uh hold you know it didn't work for me just because yeah there's no stakes counterpoint you can't lift those out because they're the point of the movie. 
<laughs> well, yeah. yes, yeah. I mean, you, like if you're if you're fundamentally like not going to change um, the sort of hook of the film, then yeah, then you can't take those out. But because you, the, they are the they, hook of the film. Uh, like it, I, I feel like if you if you actually did take them out, then you would have kind of this. Uh, you would be you would be left with a much different movie, like a, a much you know a much more I don't know if it would be a much more standard kind of mental institution movie where there's only like there's like someone's clearly um, you know it would be more of like like which one's the real reality the brothel or or is, or is the mental institution the real reality right that kind of thing for the record and this uh, risks tiptoeing into changes uh, territory. <laughs> That's a solid suggestion in itself. Uh, if we saw a movie, and I'm not necessarily saying this would be my fix for this movie, but just as a premise for a movie, a movie where you have several different perspectives and the framing is one-to-one, but it's questionable about who's really seeing reality. And you have a mental institution and a brothel and a prison maybe, and like a bunch of different, very similar, but you, and they're all bad enough where you're like, any one of them could be an escape. I don't know which one is real. That's the kind of, that's like Rashomon for daydreams kind of thing. Yeah. Like it would be interesting. Would that be an accurate one for traumatic scenarios? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As, As a concept, that's a solid concept. I'm just saying. Yeah. I think, I think it could have been fun. I, you know, man, there's there's lots of ways to to play with it. Um, I think having I think having one person th- think that they're going through a crazy action film is like it's like that's pretty that's like a lot of fun and could be like actually an interesting sort of like uh, comedic element I guess if you want if you had a whole bunch of characters and the one person just thinks they're in a in an action film and they're you can see them in other layers like doing weird really weird stuff in the background and it's because they think they're in that different place i think that could be really interesting but that's not this movie the real the real head fake would be then if that was the person who was seeing the real reality yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was that's the long con of the of this movie we're concocting Yeah, I'm sorry to keep getting so hung up on details, but like, so she is she dancing because she's a dancer in a bordello, or is she dancing because there is dance instruction at this mental institution? I kind of got the impression that she wasn't dancing for the people in the mental institution. Yeah, okay, that, yeah, that I started to, that's the, yeah. I don't know, man. That's <laughs> that's she's not actually dancing. Okay, so she's dancing because she's a in a bordello, but then the dancing in the bordello is yeah something yes. something oh, different no. in the mental in the mental institution that that's that okay. and that could I be like, are I, they like I see, don't know the dance studio yeah. looked like it could be in a mental institution. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. That's that's the inference I was getting that she was using something else to distract the men. That's and that it was being translated in the bordello reality as her amazing dancing skill. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I'm starting to feel bad because, like, I, I think maybe um, I could have used an extra couple of days to sort of let this movie percolate in my brain because that does, that does make a lot, lot of sense because she's because they say the men are transfixed by her, like they're entranced. Yeah, but if she's being, but if she's being abused. Um, when she's quote unquote dancing, then that 
sort of tracks. Go, and it go also, get the lighter while I'm being abused makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it also yeah. tracks with the reason why she escapes into just a complete fantasy reality, right? Right. Unless that's Sweet Pea's perspective, and then it's like, yeah, just... I love the idea of this movie. It's just so clumsily, like, presented. <laughs> that, like, it, Well, that's the thing is, like, before we started to record, and we did touch on some of this stuff, I, I asked, like, is this movie, like, smarter than than I thought it was. And, you know, the, the, you know, maybe the, maybe and like, I kind of, I, I, it speaks to more of what we were talking about earlier about how um, this movie has its defenders and you can kind of see it like there, there's a lot going on. And, and uh, if you interpret things um, a little bit differently, um, then yeah, you can, you can really pull a little bit more out of what's going on, whether you like what you pull from them or not, yeah. it's an entirely different matter, but yeah. Yeah. I want to be clear when I say it's when I say smarter, I just mean in terms of like how it's interpreting its metaphors and things like that. I don't necessarily mean that the the content of what it's presenting is smart. I just want to be very clear about that because I know that like there's particularly at the end, there's some pretty objectionable stuff um, that we'll probably talk about again up in a second or two, I imagine. I mean, or I yeah, guess we could do, we, do it now because yeah, I was going to say, do we want to talk about the the aspects of this that are need to be unpacked? I mean, part of me was like, I thought I thought it was going to be this like cringy, poor depiction of of mental health, and aside from the fact that they just throw them in a quote unquote home for the mentally insane, which is not a chill turn of phrase, it it doesn't really have much to say on like like it doesn't depict mental health poorly because it doesn't really depict mental health not really it just depicts like trauma yeah like and i mean uh the implication is that there's not that no the implication (laughs) is that some of the other girls are there for the same reason baby doll is they have been like put there by people who want them out of the way because blue is disreputable and is willing to take bribes Mm -hmm. to keep them right so, like, I, do we need to unpack its, like, questionable depiction of mental health? Because I don't think there really is one. It's just, like, a, a sort of a crass vehicle to get us into a place where women are abused. That seems to be the case, yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool and chill. <laughs> I know that there's um, definitely some consternation around John John Ham's. like, I think it's his one and only line in this movie. Uh, yeah. Where he gives her a lobotomy and then he says um, she's... It's like she wanted me to do it, um, which I think the context around the movie potentially being that, you know, she's being abused is is kind of, yeah, like it's it's when I was watching it, I was, the, the first thing that I was like, I was like wanting to like, like, why would she want you to do that to do it? Like, like, why would you think that she wanted you to give her a lobotomy? Like is that that line just came out really flat and sort of like I was um, already pretty frustrated with the movie. So I wasn't really interested in interpreting it further. I just, I just thought like it was just a, a, just a bad line, but I can also see how it's like, it's definitely interpreted in, in, in a negative way in terms of like sexual assault and stuff like that. Right. So, well, and the implication certainly that I read in it is that she, she was accepting the lobotomy because it was an escape. Like she would be, she would be released from all of the trauma and all of the terrible memories and the guilt about what happened with her sister. And like, it would just, it would be gone. It's sweet oblivion. So she is kind of welcoming it. And 
I mean, I said we were going to touch on the alternate cuts later on. I suppose this is a good time to mention that the extended cut of the movie, which has been released, does add about 18 minutes of footage, and it includes a scene with the high roller in the brothel reality, which recontextualizes the end with the uh, with the brain surgeon, uh, in which he basically he turns out to be a, a nice guy, and he while he has purchased her services, he's unwilling to proceed without her consent. And she kind of like, it's implied, gives him the consent. And that translates back into him giving her the lobotomy and being like, oh, it's weird. It's like she wanted it. Um, And it completely changes the tone of the ending because of that, right? An example Mm. of how like a major cut from this movie completely changed it, right? Yeah, it feels feels like there was a lot of pieces missing and some of my confusion. But I want to be clear to... to our listeners, I like movies that have like vague metaphors. Like I liked Arrival. I liked not fully understanding exactly what was going on in Arrival. Mm-hmm. This one was either needed to be more vague and metaphorical <laughs> or less, but it was just kind of this weird halfway point. And I think some of the the pieces missing that Scott's referring to might have given either that permission to interpret it as you will or clarity to interpret it a certain way. But as it yep. is now, it's just sort of left like you figure it out. Fuck you. We're missing parts. Um, uh, Now, we've done a Snyder cut on this podcast, and there is allegedly a Snyder cut of Sucker Punch that is much longer and has never been released and is a musical. (laughs) 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 Like, it has actual musical numbers. You see more of, like, Baby Doll dancing. Like, it's apparently much, much longer, too. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever, if it'll ever see the light of day, but... It allegedly exists. Zack Snyder has said it exists. And I kind of want to see it. Like, that is one Snyder cut. I definitely am like, I kind of want to see what what his vision of this movie was before it got absolutely hacked to the bone. Well, that that sounds like a, a good place to, to, throw to throw to our friends at the Alberta Podcast Network. And we'll come back. We'll talk about exactly what we want to see changed about this. And I think, yeah, we'll be back. Looking for a way to give back? ATB Cares makes it easy for all Albertans to support the causes they care about. Donate to your favorite charity through ATB Cares, and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to eligible Alberta charities. To learn more and donate, visit atbcares.com. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking about Sucker Punch. Uh, where to start, fellas? Where to start? <laughs> I guess Scott, what I want to know your fix as someone who loves this movie unabashedly, a hundred percent. No, the movie what, is what flawed. <laughs> putting words in my mouth. <laughs> um, it's in your top ten. You uh, no. <laughs> um, I think oh, I rated actually, this no, movie it's not because I think I've heard your top ten before. Uh, I've I'm. Pretty sure I gave it three stars out of five on Letterboxd. So, like, definitely a movie I liked, but I wouldn't call it in my top ten. Um, I mean, I hadn't really considered it before, but honestly, Liam, uh, in the last half, you mentioned that you wish there was a little stronger delineation between the uh, the mental institution and the brothel as layers of reality. Mm-hmm. And having sat on that for a couple minutes now, I actually strongly agree with that. I think that that would have been an interesting change and it would have, it would have made the the differences between the two a little more stark. And I think I like that. Yeah. I right, Thank you. How, I, how, how did you see 
making that distinction because I actually had a couple different ways I thought I could go about it. I, I kind of agree with your just like off the cuff remark that maybe the brothel should just be fancier. Like it should be, like every aspect of it should just be nicer than, oh, yeah, I can see how this is just a mental institution that has a, a coat of paint slapped on it. Like, as you said, like maybe instead of the stock room in the kitchen, it's like the wine cellar, maybe instead of like the, the back hallway, like they're all sit, they're all sleeping in this like dormitory. Maybe that's gussied up a lot, like stuff like that. I I agree. Yeah. Um, I was even thinking of like, if it were to maybe cut back and forth, like you see it, You know, you, you see Rocket being assaulted in a wine cooler, and then it's like almost like strobe lighty flashes where it's like, oh, actually, no, it's, you know, you see the chef with the big hat, and then you see the chef with the small hat. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's the same guy, but different, or like, well, he's got... And also, I think the chef should have been a different thing in the in the Bordello fair enough. fantasy. Um, I feel like, though, the real transition point should be whether or not we're seeing things through Sweet Pea's perspective or Baby Doll's perspective, maybe. Yeah, because that, that was not clear, and, yeah. and it trickles in through the movie. Like, I start wondering, like, well, who are these men? Like, who, like, who, I know it's, like, it's not the actual mayor of the town. It's the guy who works at the, the front desk with the lighter, but, like, is he coming to do, like, mayor stuff? Like, I don't, it just... <laughs> Um, it, it all bleeds through where I start, I start, I'm not to the point where I was like relieved when it was robots. Cause I'm like, well, I know this is definitely in our imagination. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, um, I, you know, if I'm for my fix, I think one thing that we need to, to solve and, and we were sort of going back and forth, forth on this in the, before we were recording is who actually killed baby doll's sister because there's an interpretation that baby doll accidentally kills her sister and therefore is committed to the mental institution or that the abusive stepfather kills her and then blames the uh, baby doll for the crime. Um, Where do we kind of land on that? I think we, I think we might be a little bit divided. Well, I certainly read it as baby doll accidentally kills her because she she shoots past her stepfather into the closet. And then when she rushes past him, her sister has is bleeding. I, I interpreted that as she accidentally winged her sister and her sister died. And that's yeah. part of the guilt she's carrying. That's why she doesn't want to talk about uh, her past when and why she's framing herself as an orphan. Like it's it's because she's carrying the guilt of, oh, my God, I killed my sister by accident while trying to defend her from my evil stepfather. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it as well. But thinking back on it, I can see how people, um, I think if the stepfather did it, and if that is the implication, he did it before she started firing or something. Well, he would have had like, she was already bleeding when the gun fired or something. And part of the reason why I think baby doll did it is because I do too. Why, why would she have not killed her stepfather if he had killed her sister? Like mm-hmm. she was holding a gun to him to protect her. If she then found out he'd already done something terrible to her and that she was dying, she she it tracks to me that she would have wheeled around and shot him right there. Yeah. So the fact that right. she did it is the reason why she drops the gun and runs. Drops like, the gun yeah. and runs away. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, again, the internet's divided. Like people keep into inter- like every you know Wikipedia summary you read is slightly different. Yeah, I think thinking back on it now, like I I think. Um, 
I'm probably a little bit more in agreement. Like at the time when I watched it, I interpreted it as it was by the hand of her her stepfather. But the more I think about it, the more I think that you guys are correct, which is good because I think I mean that I, I mean it's better for the movie if that's the case because that it you know it's because it is a redemption arc and and and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually make as much sense if her stepfather had killed. Uh, uh, her sister then there's not too much of a redemption there like I guess you can interpret it as that she felt like she should have been able to protect her sister more um, but um, if you know if she goofed up and, and killed her sister then there's there's a much better redemption arc and um, I think is that like it, it it makes more sense that um, she's willing to sacrifice herself and her brain apparently <laughs> you know to yeah. to at the end because to you escape know, she's, that yeah yeah she's i yeah. mean she's done something she's done something monstrous she wants to forget about it yeah it uh, that definitely that definitely tracks i think for for me like if, if that's the case i think um making her a bit more of a mysterious character would have been uh, more fun to me like the you know perhaps instead of getting that whole drawn out intro of uh of of her uh, sister's murder uh, or accidental murder, um, we actually simply start with her being dragged into um, the mental institution, uh, and we don't know why she's there. Oh my um, god! Oh my god, Greg! No, <laughs> it starts with her being taken into the brothel, and right, then yes. it's slow. You peel back the layer partway through the movie and it's revealed that it's actually a mental institution. And then you find out why she's there. Oh, head fake. I love it. Oh, I love that. Great. <clears throat> yeah. I yeah, think that could like work that. really well. And then you can have, you know, it, it, you can have, um, you know, a nice, uh, the way I sort of envision it is like the opening scene of her being dragged in is sort of like you're, you're kind of in tight and you can kind of, you can kind of make out what's going on between. And as we sort of like it, you know, the, the close up sort of make you think it's one thing. And as you draw, you can draw into the imagination. Right. So then it becomes a brothel as you, as you, yeah, I don't know. Just the, the idea that her, that we don't fully understand who that character is, uh, I think makes a lot more sense in adding that air of mystery around her and, and starting in the movie with more imagination, I think yeah. definitely helps the audience understand what happens to her when she starts dancing. Because um, before, like for me, one of the troubles I had with it is that um, she didn't seem like a particularly re- remarkable person. Like, like what happened to her was pretty. I, I'm gonna say she. <laughs> it's funny. I'm gonna say what happened to her was straightforward when I misinterpreted it. But like, it does. Yeah. It is fairly. <laughs> that opening scene seems. It seems fairly cut and dry like it, it, there was no there was nothing um supernatural about it or or um you know dreamlike about it i guess that's probably the best that's probably what i'm trying to get at is like it wasn't mm-hmm. it feel it felt like reality it didn't feel like a dream right so you don't you don't get the sense of like what her powers as a, as a imaginative person or a dreamer are um so when she does start dancing and then she goes into this whole world that it's like it, it's it's pretty jarring and yeah. and yeah it, it, it was hard for me to um really get on board with where the movie wanted to go 
So I think having, I think playing with that early on really makes it much easier for the the audience to get drawn into uh, her imagination and, and, and understanding uh, what's going on inside her head. And then, as as you say, Scott, as we peel back the layers, it can it can start it can start to be a bit more clear that like the brothel is not actually um, baby doll's brothel, yeah. imagination as someone else, and not her imagination. Yeah, yeah. Again. I also like the idea that if it if we start with her being dragged into the bordello, um, the the kindly but maybe overbearing madam is then revealed to be her therapist who is telling her. You have, in the power of your imagination, you can make anything real, you can have the power you need, yada yada, all the things she says that first time. If that is said in when seconds after it's been revealed we're in a mental institution, that kind of also gives it a lot more weight. Like, oh, she was imagining the, the, the brothel to cope with the trauma, okay. And then we go forward into robots, it's like you just amp up the, the like, she uses imagination to escape angle. Yeah, I think so. I like that better than the fix I was going to have. Because, um, like, Scott, you t- I, like, I'm not going to say you took mine. You just agreed with the one I had touched yeah. earlier. But the, <laughs> it was if, a good fix. If we weren't going to make a, make a clear distinction between the two, I was almost going to go to bat for just cut the brothel. Weird to say brothel fantasy. Again, I think it's very strange that they imagine a slightly less traumatic scenario instead. Of, like, But nevertheless, if you just cut the brothel thing entirely and just have these, these women in this fucked up institution... Maybe it's baby doll. Maybe it's all five of them. Like maybe each of those five vignettes of action are each one of their imagination. Um, but then mm-hmm. now that we've got the context that she's not dancing, she's being assaulted. That just kind of changes that. But um, man, ew! Now that I think about that from the first half, that all those action sequences are actually just her being assaulted. Possibly is f- f- makes them less fun. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the movie. It's the movie. A bit of a downer. The movie is not a little on the nose about its condemnation of, <laughs> of uh, like objectifying women, and uh, Zack Snyder's even said like the movie is kind of giving the middle finger to the very kind of people who would like this movie on a surface level. Yeah, and yeah, there's like I I get that he's not being subtle about it. Yeah, I was t- I've been trying to rattle around in my brain if there's a better, you know, if the if the abuse angle is removable, it's kind of baked not. in, honestly. Yeah, feels a little bit. But then I'm trying to, and th- and this just actually might be beyond my capacity as a as a as a male to to be able to to interpret properly. Mm-hmm. But like, is there a better way to um, you know use use the the abuse angle than as it's currently used? Um, cause I, I'm just not, I'm just not certain that, um, as written it, like it says enough about, yeah, it, you know, like it, if, yeah. And this, and especially when it's put right next to big fantasy action scenes, like it, yeah. Sorry, Scott. And this could be another example of something that's lost in the translation, right? Because there's huge chunks of this movie that were scooped out. And, yeah. and could be, although, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily trust Zack Snyder's ability to <laughs> that's I, fair I, fair that's not yeah, the, you like, do a I lot of slow-mo shots in 18 extra minutes yeah I, I don't I, and I'm not suggesting that Zack Snyder is a is a necessarily a bad guy like he, I I just don't um 
you know, I, I think he's a fine filmmaker, but I, I don't know that he's the most thoughtful one. That's fair to say. So maybe this is an example of subject matter being handled clumsily by people with good intentions, but not necessarily the toolbox to really do it justice. No pun intended, Snyder Justice. Uh, <laughs> they're going to point out they also the irony that we're the, th- the three white dudes are talking about this too. Yeah. But like um, that. But yeah, like it. That's what I was going to say. Is like if 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 the the abuse and the assault is baked into it, maybe maybe we don't need. Like maybe don't do that. Maybe <laughs> don't have a fantasy action movie that is uns- cannot be separated from like trauma and abuse to women without actually saying anything meaningful about it. Like maybe yeah. just don't do that. Okay. I'm going to, I have a, a suggestion then for this movie. Yeah. Let a woman take a pass on the script after it's been written. Yeah. And maybe Zack Snyder doesn't direct it. Maybe he just produces it and passes it off to a woman director. Yeah. Or does all the style, like the visual, like all of his visual. Yeah, maybe, maybe he works like- as cinematographer and, hands it off to a woman to direct and i Mm. i get it i get it i get it but like (laughs) maybe maybe with hindsight that would have been a thing that they they should have considered doing Uh like it's based on the subject matter and the uh the kind of movie that they're trying to do yeah i think you're right just let a let a woman have much more involvement in the creative process yeah. director. And I mean, that, that might be fair to say about basically every movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, certainly a lot but of like this one, especially when they're traffic so heavily in. Yeah. yeah. And also, as we learned from Charlie's angels, doesn't necessarily, it's not women aren't, don't have all the answers to do nuanced <laughs> takes on, on complicated issues. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Some, everyone's got bad takes, right? So who knows? Yeah. But like, I think with this one, like it, it's got, I don't know, maybe, Maybe uh, you guys can tell me whether I'm off base here or not, but like it's got that kind of rote sort of like interpretation of feminine is feminism in it where it's like the the girl power is like they do badass things. Right. And maybe um, the action bits of it, like that part of the movie, like maybe you can still do that, but maybe it has to be um, darker and grittier to match the uh the subject matter that the movie is tracking in maybe yeah or 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 perhaps like the the, my biggest problem with those scenes is that there's that as i said off the top like there's not really any translation between them and the actual and what's going on in the in the other layers of the film so you know if there's like there should be a there should be a much more clear villain going on in, in that layer right um, rather than like, cause, cause my interpretation is like each, there's like three of those action vignettes, right. And like all three of them aren't really related. Like they all kind of seem to take place in different fantasy universes. So I mean, they're yeah, right. Like they're clearly connected by the, uh, by the fact that the characters, the, the characters of the girls are the same in all three of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like one is steampunk World War One. One is orcs in a fantasy castle and dragons, and one of them is robots on a fancy future train on the way to the fancy future city. Yeah, and I, I, and I, I still I, love it. It's great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I just think I, I like if there was a if that um if that layer was a bit more linear and had a clear villain that could be the stand-in for Oscar Isaac. 
Um, like if Blue also a, appeared on that level, maybe as like yes. the, the German commander or something. Yeah. Or if they had like really made the, the dragon the mayor. Like the dragon looks like the guy who's the mayor is the guy at the, the desk or something. Like, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to say yes. The head, the head robot. <laughs> the head robot is the cook. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I buy it. I, I see where you're coming from. I would have howled if they were like if she was fighting like a giant robot cook. That would be amazing. Well, no, but <laughs> if if it was if it was like a heftier robot who had like the same body proportions as the cook. But basically, that would answer your question earlier in the podcast, Greg, of there not being more of a one to one correlation between because because the institution and the bordello are so one to one. It's weird this that third the layer. third layer of fantasy is just is one to six and. Uh, yeah. This would draw it a little bit closer, so that that you could make the connection a little better. I, I get where and you're going with that. Uh, yeah. I, I I might take the dancing angle out of it, to be honest with you. Like I th- I think the bordello layer kind of would work better as more of like a heist layer, and that the uh, the action layer is more of like an interpretation of that heist. I mean, right. it is a heist layer. They're doing a heist. They're just using well, the dancing the, skills. The, at the end, they're doing a heist. I guess they're. But I like Showgirls isn't about a heist. Like, yeah. But the thing, yeah. the, what what bugs me is and like in, in that <laughs> in the bordello or brothel layer, like all she's doing is doing a dance, and there's nothing. There's no. There's no running progress between those two layers. Like I would like to see. I would like to see something. Something happen on that action layer that actually affects what's happening in that ball in that lower layer right because otherwise otherwise it's just action then it stops and then we go back to like what actually happened in the in the brothel you know so if we if we get more of like a a stand-in for for their their heisting stuff then that you know yeah i don't know it just it just doesn't it's just not. It, I don't think that that layer has any stakes to me. Like it's it, like it just it lifts right out, and you don't like. I don't get any. There's no connection between them for me. Like yes, okay. So they they steal whatever it is. Um, they steal a map, and then they actually steal a map in the. But that's like that's that's it. Like nothing. Nothing that Sweet Pea does. Well, the dragon is the is the lighter, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like, I like, I understand that, but like the like, like Sweet Pea, like for example, when they're stealing the map, like Sweet Pea actually disappears in that action scene, right? And then they just have she just gets the map, and that like that's the end of it, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. there's no like she, we don't really see her going through a process of stealing the map on the action layer, which is kind of my problem with it. Most it's actually Baby Doll, as I recall, that that steals the map. Well, to so be fair, that is also example. that is also Baby Doll's <laughs> fantasy layer, right? So she's I, going to be I, the main yeah, character. Yeah, I one. know, but like, there's the connectivity just isn't like because otherwise, I don't know why I'm watching those scenes. I, I I guess you guys disagree. Like, I just don't, I just don't think they work because of that. I I see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with you because, as I kind of implied earlier, the hook of the movie is these high octane, yeah, I like anime I like fan- too, uh, fantasy scenes. But I I get where you're coming from. I I think you're right. They could be they could connect better to what's going on on the other two layers. Yeah. Well, we uh, as as I suspected uh, a lot to uh, unpack about this one. I think we've <laughs> definitely found some solutions. But I I know. But I think there's there's we could we could go on, but. Uh, this podcast uh, must end at some point. So. Again, I'd like to see uh, what Snyder's 
final artistic vision on this is. This is one Snyder cut, again, that I'd like to see and see how it changes the movie, how it recontextualizes the movie, and maybe improves the movie. Like, we all liked the Snyder cut of Justice League better than the original Justice League. Yeah. But then it makes me wonder, like, what, like, what is it about the way Zack Snyder makes movies that he's like, seems to be the only guy this happens to like, <laughs> I don't think he's, <laughs> what is? I don't think he's the only guy this happens to. I think he's the, the guy right now with enough clout to allow or himself not, not the, the, only guy that the luxury. It happens to, but just like it, where it's like, why did, why are, I guess my, let's flip it then. Why do they keep hiring him <laughs> to do what he does and then come along and undermine him? And why does he keep letting them do that to I him? I mean, he's like, got a very stylistic, film style and i can see why a lot of producers might be like i watched the the director cut like the rough director cut of this movie and i have no idea what's going on and we're going to make some changes or i or i can't sell this yeah and then it's like or it's four hours long like (laughs) then don't hire him hire some guy that'll just do what you ask him to but then you don't get a snidery film i was just thinking that this actually this actually happened to ridley scott twice uh, happened okay, with Bra- Blade Runner and uh, and Kingdom of Heaven, Fair. which Very the director's true, right? cut is apparently way way better than the theatrical. Release. Actually, I have never seen Kingdom of Heaven, and I've been told the director's cut is very good, and I want to see it because uh, I do too. And I I've been actually searching for it, and I cannot find it anywhere. <laughs> Everyone seems oh. to be seems to have the uh, theatrical cut. So help us out, streaming services. Well, please. there's an extended edition of this movie, and all three of us could only find the theatrical cut. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's on YouTube too. In fact, that's why I thought I watched the the extended version because when I paused the YouTube download I got, I could see the thumbnail for extended cut in the like vague oh, background. I was like, I, am I watching extended cut? No, I'm not. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, so uh, not only did we have our thoughts, but you had yours. Thank you to everyone who contributes by following us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at I have some notes and on Instagram at I have some note pod. I have some notes pod. Uh, we will uh, solicit your uh, comments, read them on air, and like I'm about to now. Um, Chris says, it's totally unrealistic that Rosebud is just a sled. Uh, I, th- I think, chapped that we, down to a narrow margin, down to one vote from my, my, my girlfriend, look, we, we did Sucker Punch. Look, listen, listen. The change to Citizen Kane is to have the nurse in the room to hear him say his last words so that there's not a giant plot hole that ruins the entire movie. Boom. Fixed it. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, I have to feel like someone else. That's not that can't be. Is that a is that a Scott OG notion or has that been? Oh, no, I'm I'm 100 percent certain someone else has suggested that. in the past. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why we're not going to talk about this. It's been done. Some. There's guys in the fifty on a ham on the fifties on a ham radio doing exactly what we did. Like it's been <laughs> just three guys screaming into a ham radio. <laughs> a, a newsletter in the seventies. Uh, I'm a, I'm a going to print my mimi- radio station in the nineties. Like it's uh, you know <laughs> I'm going to print up a mimeograph. <laughs> podcast nerds have been discussing Citizen Kane for 80 I, years. I, I like that you said, Scott, that they were screaming into a ham radio because that makes it sound even weirder. <laughs> it's like three nerds in the 50s just like trying to get their thoughts heard by screaming the opposite way into a radio. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're at, I have some notes on Twitter, but what's our what's our ham radio frequency? Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> Christy Foley uh, says, this movie lives rent-free in my head, and I hate it. Can the main character have some agency? Any agency? At all? I mean, she comes up with a plan to escape the institution and executes it. Does she, though? Because isn't that um, stick from... Uh, What's his, uh, Daredevil? Daredevils? <laughs> isn't that his? Isn't it his plan? No, I mean, I mean, she, I guess I, I guess she, you can see her. her as she's being led into the institution. She she makes a note of the map, and she makes a note of the lighter, and she makes a note of the knife, right, and right. she makes a note of the key. Yeah. And then later on, she's like, "I have a plan to get out." It's recontextualized as uh, the the wise sensei giving her this in her fantasy, but she puts it together herself. I mean, ultimately, she fails to get out, but she does get someone out. So I'm, yeah. I'm saying I don't think yeah. she has no agency. She finds agency in a terrible situation. Yeah. And if you're and it, if you're looking at the at the recontextualized ending that the extended edition has, she also has some agency in deciding to go through with the lobotomy. Like she wants it. Yeah, I like I, I think I, I remember thinking about this yesterday because when I saw this comment I, I dwelled on it for a little bit and I thought about her um like okay, so she, you are right that she ha- she comes up with the plan, but like the the execution of of that plan, um like I don't think she personally collects any of the items, right? No, but she's facilitating the collection of them with her dancing. Uh, I'm using yeah. quotations, and I mean, I guess I guess then it's and then it's open to interpretation. There like, are is yeah, that yes. She yeah. also stabs Blue. Um, the the men in the in the the film are constantly trying to take the agency away from her, and she keeps finding ways to to have it and to use her power over them to help facilitate this plan. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's kudos to her. She she makes the best of a terrible situation. Um, I don't think she has no agency. I don't read it like that. And I yeah, maybe it's because I'm I'd a dude. To agree. I don't know, but that's that's certainly not how I read the movie. Yeah, it's very male gazy, but that's not the same as no agency. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on after this podcast and keep ruminating, ruminating about that. But um, I don't know. Make it like, bad. and and again, I I'm not a woman watching this movie. I'm a dude. Mm. I could be. I could be misinterpreting it, and I'm willing to like lay that out. But I read Baby Doll in particular as having agency because. She comes up with the plan. She's the one who motivates the other girls to go through with it. She's the one who uh, uses her skills to distract the people so that the other girls can get the stuff. She stabs Blue, like we pointed that out. Yeah. And in the end, she invites the lobotomy. That's not a, to to me. That doesn't read as a character with no agency. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Danica LeBlanc comments, uh, liked this one much more than originally planned. It's a mess, but it's a stylistic mess. It is. It's a beautiful mess. <laughs> it's like it's like a it's like a Pollock painting. It's a beautiful mess. <laughs> uh, in in that vein, Andrew Craig, uh, the person who suggested this one, um, had a similar comment. Uh, it's a great movie to have on in the background. The visuals are amazing, but the story is meh. There's a director's cut that I haven't seen. Maybe it's better. Maybe. Oh. I mean, um, the extended edition, apparently, yeah, we've talked about it. And uh, I want to see that Snyder cut of Sucker Punch. 
I want to see it real bad. Snyder, Zack Snyder, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. You're listening right now. You're <laughs> taking notes. Mail it to us. Send us that Snyder cut of Sucker Punch. We want to watch it. We will talk about it. You, you, you just send it to Scott. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Send it to me. I'll watch it. If it's good, I'll let you guys see it too. But it is not for you. It's for me. <laughs> that, that was actually kind of my problem going into this was I'm like, man, I like... I don't know how much I want to like engage with this movie. Obviously a lot. I had a good time, but I'm part of me is like, man, like unpacking it's weird presentation and like questionable, like all of it. I'm like, is, is what's is, is robot fighting worth it? Um, and I think, it, you know, yes. for a podcast, it is in, in life. I don't know, but anyway. I mean, I've watched a uh, lot of miserable movies for this podcast. This was not one yeah. of them. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, Herman from the Modern Manhood podcast says, uh, this movie was a mess and it should have just been a music video. The only good thing was this was the first time I saw Oscar Isaac. Also the first time I saw Oscar Isaac. And you know what? I was like, that guy's going to be a star. I was correct. <laughs> yeah, he's very good. I, I think that the movie is a lot better whenever he's on screen. Oh, 100%. And yeah, I mean, I think that's why I that's think that's selling why the, the rest ending of the... was so much better for me because it's a lot of meaty stuff with him. I mean, and that's selling the rest of the cast short. Because again, I think everyone's giving 100% in this movie. And it's just Oscar yeah. Isaac giving 100% is about 50% more than the average person can give. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tony over at Flix X-Raid says, uh, all the dream sequences are awesome, but the story tying them all together is beyond weak. I mean, we mentioned it's pretty on the nose. Yeah. At I Hate Your Taste says, a new script, a better writer. I don't even know how to salvage this one. Yeah, I think uh, a new script uh, from a better writer, that might be a woman, might be the way to do that. <laughs> that's, I, that's what I suggested, yeah. Uh Film Gamer One says, "Have someone else who's a good writer write it." <laughs> Ooh, a lot yeah. of a lot of hate for this script. I think it, uh, we mentioned off the top that the that the uh, the writer Steve Shibuya was he like he's like a, he was mostly in you know cruise, um, but not necessarily. This is his one and only writing credit. And I did some I did do some research on him. He's a uh, He's an old film school classmate of uh, Zack Snyder. They're, they were buddies. I guess they spent huh. about 10 years kind of off and on working on, on Sucker Punch. Um, the original sort of concept was Zack Snyder's, and then Steve Shibuya did uh, the first draft, and then Zack did rewrites on that on that draft. But he did give Steve you know, the, the sole credit, uh, writing credit, which was generous of him which is pretty cool for to, yeah. to give his his old buddy uh you know a full screen credit on the, on the on the movie so but um uh, i i did read a, an interview with him and um there was several illuminating things and and one of them one of them was that they had the name for the movie before they ever wrote a draft of the script which uh made a lot of sense to me because I, I at the end of this movie i was like why is this called sucker punch exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> that was that was also a question I had throughout that I'm like, we don't have time for why is it called Sucker Punch? It just, it just is, yeah. it just is. That's not the biggest concern right now. <laughs> uh, Big C says, I remember this one and not fondly. It was rough to say the least. Story was a mess. The sequences where the girls were trying to steal stuff fuzzy on the details it was years ago didn't make sense when you remember they're in this other building 
I mean, it's meant to be a little hand-wavy, admittedly. There's a reason why we don't see Baby Doll's actual dancing. Because it, it it just wouldn't translate very well. It's best left to our imagination. Yeah. Though, again, the Snyder version might have more actual dancing and music, apparently. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would have liked to have seen her dance. Uh, just, I don't know. It, it might have sold the idea that like she's putting the men into the trance a little bit better. I don't know. It, it, yeah, the the going going doing some dancing and then and then transit. I don't know. I, I think it just might have uh, been an easier transition for me and the more connective tissues, which is obviously what I've been banging on about this whole this whole podcast. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Olav Rockney, says, uh, allow Sweet Pea, I think that was her name, uh, to liberate herself without the help of a man. The costuming male gaziness of the imagery undermines its attempt at empowerment, so tone down the TNA shots. A little more clarity about the mundane layer of reality might help too. That's what I said, Olaf. Uh, this movie is closer to being good than most people realize, because 10% of it is so terrible that it overshadows the 70% that's pretty decent. I mean, yeah, we, we've um, sunk our teeth into it a little bit, discussing interpretations and, and the way things can be read. So there's definitely something there. Um, yeah. yeah, I think any movie that um, that leaves you with something is is not valueless, right? Like it's you know, I, I'd rather I'd rather watch a flawed movie that left me thinking than a flawed movie that didn't. Yeah, that's fair. But I also rather watch a good movie that left me thinking. <laughs> I, I mean, like if, you know, cards <laughs> on the table. Yes. <laughs> uh, Colin McIntyre says the only thing wrong with Sucker Punch is that there is no Sucker Punch cinematic universe. <laughs> I mean, there's not many other characters, really, <laughs> at the end of this movie who are still around. Yeah, most of them are dead or lobotomized. Yeah. So. Cool. Just, it's just a uh, movie about John Hamm going from institution to institution giving lobotomies? <laughs> what? No, that that would be a terrible Ham- hammering movie. Hammering metal spikes into people's eyes. That'd be a yeah. terrible so it's film. A, it, <laughs> I, I, it's funny that like a, we got a lot of... I, I, I can always tell when... Um, when a particular show is going to be popular because we get a ton of responses on it. And, uh, we had a lot of former guests, uh, giving us, uh, giving us their thoughts on this one and, and even our former hosts. So yeah, that, uh, it yeah. definitely sparked people's imagination, uh, whether you like the film or not, uh, sucker punch has got something going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got something going on indeed, but that's uh, going to be it for today from us. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, again, uh, please follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but also wherever it is you're listening to this, uh, whatever app, whatever service, it's probably got some kind of subscribe button. It's probably got some kind of review button. It's probably got some sort of uh, uh, clicky the thinger uh, situation. So please, please do that, right? Or write us a review or whatever. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, we just watched a movie where a lot of men are terrible. Would you like to learn more about how men cannot be terrible? Well, you can check out fellow Alberta Podcast Network member Modern Manhood. It's great. You can find it right now, along with all the other member podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. That was a very lovely tie-in, Scott. Uh, <laughs> tune in two weeks uh, from now, and we will be doing uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. That's the sequel movie, isn't it? That's the sequel. Oh, boy. I haven't watched <laughs> Sorry, it buddy. yet. Oh, boy. Oh, geez. <laughs> I got to watch two Kingsman movies now. All right. Uh, <laughs> That's right, I haven't seen either. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but until then, uh, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. 
Okay, three, two, one. Hi friends, Caitlin and Shanika here from Get Checkered. We are your favorite female co-hosted Formula One podcast based out of Calgary, Alberta. Join us weekly as we share our hot takes on the Formula One world with a little bit of sass. Catch the podcast on any streaming service by searching Get Checkered. Whether you're a casual fan or an enthusiast, we We hope hope you enjoy enjoy the ride. ride.